The scripture reading today is from Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gilbeath Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during their journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So this place has been called Gilgal to this day. This is the word of God. Good morning. You know, sometimes we talk about our priorities. What are your priorities in life? What we mean by that is what, what is it that you put first? What's most important to you? Maybe family comes first or health comes first. Some people it's career, money. That's the, so whatever you put first, that's what's most important. That's your priority. And it seems to me that, that this passage teaches something to us about the priorities of God, what, what God puts first. And so that's what I want to talk about, really two, just two thoughts. First, I want to ask this question. What, what is most important to God when he looks at our lives? You know, what's most important to him? And then second question, why? Why is this so important? So, well, first, we'll start with God's priority. What, what is his priority for us? We're, we've been studying the uh, Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua is an account of how God brought the people of Israel into the land of Canaan, into the, the promised land. We're at the point where they have just crossed the Jordan, and they are finally in the land of promise. They're finally there. And we might expect that at this point, God would say, Go! Go for it. You're in the land. Take the land. Receive your inheritance. Rush forward. We might expect God just to say, go. But he doesn't. He says, stop. God, God, um, God stops them. Before, before he allows them to do anything at all in the promised land, he stops them. And he tells them that they need to deal with a certain area of their lives where they were not obedient to the Lord. Now, you may, you may know from Scripture that God had commanded the Israelite people that their men were to be circumcised as a, as a mark of the covenant. 
Things change in the New Testament. That's no longer the mark of the covenant for, for Christians. But, but for, the, for the Hebrews, in fact, they were told that when a baby boy is born on the eighth day, they must circumcise that little boy. Uh, that was the command of God to them. And as you see here, they had failed to keep the command. And so God says to them, listen, first things first. Before you do anything at all, you, we, we need to make this right. You need to obey me. So among other things, I would suggest that this, this passage is teaching us that God's priority, what's, what's most important to God in our lives, is obedience to his word. And if you've read scripture, that doesn't surprise you, does it? I mean, you see this throughout the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 15 says, to obey is better than sacrifice. You know, God is not looking for all kinds of sacrificial work in his, in his service. He's looking for obedient people. Jesus, in John 14, he said, if you love me, you'll, you'll keep my commands. He, Jesus said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, he, he said this, whoever disregards one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So this, this is what you see throughout the Bible. Uh, God just says that as he looks at our lives, what's most important to him is that, that we trust him enough to do what he says. And the Israelites there, there was this one area of their life where they were not doing that. They, uh, they were not keeping this commandment of circumcision. And so God says, listen, you're in the new land, but before you do anything, first, first, let's make this right. Obey me. So that's what's most important. And, and one more verse that t speaks of this. I love this verse. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those who what? To strengthen those who are the most talented. Is that what God cares about? Right? No, the eyes of the Lord range about the earth to strengthen those who are the most successful. Is that what God is looking for? No. You know what it says. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's what he's looking for in us. Fully committed hearts that, that express themselves in lives of obedience. That's his priority. Now, sometimes we overlook that. I've done, have you ever over, you kind of forget that that's important to him? And uh, it's easy to understand why in this, in this situation, the, the Israelites might have overlooked how important it was to obey this particular command and for several reasons. For, for one thing, you'll notice here that that particular generation of Hebrews, they were raised in an environment where obedience to that command of circumcision was not considered to be very important. That was just kind of the, that was the culture that they grew up in. Verse 4 through 7 explains that the, their, their parents' generation, the generation that preceded them, the generation that came out of slavery in Egypt, for whatever reason, their, their parents did not think that the circumcision ordinance was important for, for them to practice. And so for the last 40 years, no one in their culture had obeyed that command. They didn't know anybody that cared about this. Verse 5 says, all the people that came out of Egypt had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness. In other words, these people, people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt, they had not. So they, they just grew up, in a, they grew up in homes where their parents didn't care about this. Maybe you grew up in, in a home where your parents, there's certain things your parents just didn't care about. Or you grow, up in, you grow up in a culture where certain things are not, they're in the word of God, but they, nobody really 
cares about that anymore. That's, that's how it was for them, all right? Um, they, they, they were raised in that environment. There's a, a famous author, David Foster Wallace, who once gave a speech, and he, he started his speech with this, this parable. He said, there are these two fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other direction who nods at them and says, hey, boys, how's the water? The two fish swim on along together for a while, and then one looks at the other and says, what in the world is water? Like, what, what is water? When you're a fish, you've always been in water. You don't even know it's there, right? And, and the point of the parable is when you grow up in a certain cultural context, you're always surrounded by certain things that are just accepted. Nobody thinks about them. Nobody questions them. In other words, when you, when you grow up surrounded by H2O, you don't know you're wet, right? And that's how it was with these Israelites, they grew up in this context. Nobody cared about that old rule. Nobody even took it seriously. So it's easy to understand they might have, maybe they didn't know they were wet. They didn't realize this was important. And man, was this important to God. When God gave that ordinance to, under the old covenant to the Hebrews, to, to Abraham in, in uh, Genesis chapter 17, it, listen what God said to Abraham. He said, any uncircumcised male who's not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He's broken my covenant. So like God is taking this very seriously. But they just grow up, you know, they don't, they don't realize. They're like the fish. They don't even know they're in water. So I, did you ever wonder um, in what areas of life we don't even know we're wet? We don't even realize that maybe something's wrong and uh, because we just grow up around it. Here's, here's some examples. We live in a culture where um, misusing God's name, taking the name of God in vain. Nobody cares about that. You hear it all the time, right? Even in churches. Or we, we grow up, we grow up, we live in a culture where sex before marriage is basically expected. Well, you're engaged. You don't, why are you not sleeping together, right? It's just, it's the way it's done. Here's the big one that we're so blind to. We, we live in a culture where the overconsumption of material goods, just own as much as you can, buy as much as you can, earn as much as you can. Not only do we not question that, that's the American dream, right? And did you know that according to the Bible, all of those things are very, very serious sins in the eyes of God? So um, one reason that we might overlook something and the reason why they might have overlooked this, this command is just because, you know, that their cultural environment. Not, another reason that they might not have um, just realized how serious this was is because of just the nature of circumcision, just how, how personal and private circumcision is. All right, circumcision, in case you don't know, is a, it's a, a minor surgical procedure that alters the appearance of a man in a, in a way that is so private that uh, if a guy's walking down the street, you don't know if he's circumcised or not. I mean, it just, it's, it's hidden, right? It's very, very personal, very, very private. And so it's easy when there, when, there are things that, when there are things in our life that no one else ever sees, it's just easy to just assume, well, you know, nobody's going to know. It doesn't matter. For example... We all have these private areas. You, you don't know if I spent time reading the Bible and praying this week. Did I? Didn't I? So, you know what? There are ministers who don't. You don't know if I looked at pornography this week. Sadly, there are ministers who do. 
You don't know how I treat my wife behind closed doors. She knows, all right? You don't. These are private. And you have areas of your life that maybe no one knows about. Nobody knows. Listen, no one knows if today you're sitting here just harboring resentment towards somebody, harboring a grudge. You know, so there, what I'm saying is there are certain things that because they're hidden to others, we might assume they don't matter to God. But the, the, the word says they really do. Uh, Psalm 44 verse 21 says, God knows the secrets of the heart. Hebrews 4 verse 13 says, nothing, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So my, my point is, obedience is so, so important to God. It was important to God for them. Like God is like, you're not, you're, before you do anything in the promised land, we got to deal with this. And, but we might overlook it because of our, our culture, because of how uh, private certain things are. One more reason they might have overlooked the, the importance of uh, this particular act of obedience is just because of um, how inconvenient this is going to be for them. The, the, kind of the pressing circumstances. Verse 1 tells us that it says, Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and uh, all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River before the Israelites until they'd crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So you see, this was like this is the perfect window of opportunity to invade the land. The enemy is on the ropes. They're terrified. They're scared. To stop right then... Of all times, to circumcise all the men in the nation. Not only would it miss that opportunity to take over the land, it would actually just, um, it would change the whole momentum. I mean, they would be going from the ones, the ones who have the advantage, they can take over, to the ones who are now incredibly disadvantaged. Because, well, it says in verse 8, they had to sit in camp and wait to heal. Um, so this is before the days of painkillers, before any kind of anesthesia, before any kind of, uh, you know, disinfectant and antibiotics. And so to recover from even a minor surgery like this would just, this basically incapacitated all the men in the nation. There's a story with more details than I have time to share, but there's a story in the book of Genesis where um, this one entire village of men, they all decide to get circumcised on the same day. And then two guys who hate them. Just two men with swords come in and kill the entire town. I mean, so in other words, they, they were so, this was, they were rendering themselves vulnerable to the enemy. They could have lost everything if they obey God here. And uh, so I can imagine them saying, God, you know, I, we understand it's in the word. We're supposed to obey. We'll get to it eventually. But right, right now, this is just going to be too inconvenient. This is going to be too costly. And I've been, have you ever been there? Just kind of wrestling with the Holy Spirit, arm wrestling. I don't want to obey. This is going to be too hard. If I go tell, if I go tell that person the truth, I could lose a friendship. Or, or, or if I deal with this, this area, this could cost me a lot of money. Or, if, you know, what, whatever it might be, there are certain things that we look at and we say, this is, this is a difficult act of obedience, right? So for all these various reasons, their cultural setting, the, 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 the privacy of this particular issue, the... The, um, the potential cost to them, it was easy for them to say, eh, this isn't really that important. And God said, yes, it is. You have to deal with this. 
you have to deal with this. This is number one for me before anything else. You have to deal with this. And I wonder if you've ever been a place, in a place where God is kind of saying that to you. I have been there. Maybe you're there today. God is just kind of tap, the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder saying, you know what it is. I want you to obey. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So that was the first question. What's most important to God in our lives? Obedience. Now, more important, second question. Why? Why, why, does, why does God care so much about whether or not we comply with his commands in his word? You know, one common assumption, this is very common among religious type people, is to think that the reason God gives us these commands, the reason he wants us to obey is because the, the commandments, these are a way to kind of earn um, our acceptance with God. You know, if, if you, you know, just sort of, you work your way into God's favor through your good works. This is the stairway into heaven. You, you, if you obey God enough, if you obey him enough, then God will accept you as his children. That's, it's common to think that. But that can't be the reason. At least in this passage, that does not fit with the pattern of this passage. You, you'll, you'll notice here, um, God did not lead the Hebrews up to the Jordan River and say, now if you obey me and you prove that you're obedient by circumcising all the men, then I will bring you into the promised land. He didn't do that. They didn't earn the promised land by their obedience. He, isn't that something? He brought them into the promised land. He just brought them right in before he ever mentioned this problem in their life. So, so, so for them, the promised land was a gift, a gift freely given to people who were still in disobedience in their lives. And that, that, that just reminds me of the gospel, doesn't you? You know, the, God, the good news of Jesus Christ is, is this, and I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing today, hear this. If you receive Jesus Christ by faith, have you done that? If you very simply just admit your brokenness and sin and you trust Jesus to be your Savior, you, you, you place your faith in everything he did on the cross for you. If, you. if you receive Jesus as your Savior, you know what? God, just like that promised land, God gives you salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, his approval freely before you've ever done anything at all to fix yourself. That's, that's, that's the way it works. He brings them into the promised land. And before they've ever obeyed, when you come to Christ, he gives you salvation, even, even though you're still messed up. What does it say? Romans 5, verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So why is this so important to God that they obey? It's not so that they could earn his favor. He already loved them and already gave them the promised land. Well, another assumption... Um, this is more common among secular people, not, not religious, but secular people might say, that the re all right, here's the reason why we have all these rules and God wants us to obey it, and this is why I hate Christianity. You got all these rules, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, and the reason is because God just wants to make us miserable. 
All right, yeah, that's why he's got all these rules. He wants to take your freedom away. He wants to ruin all your fun. But again, that does not fit with what we see in this passage. Did you you notice here, um, notice what God says. When, When the people submit to God's will and they obey this commandment, notice God does not say, finally, I took away your freedom. That's what I was after. Now, finally, I caused you pain. Yes, finally, I've ruined all your fun. No, what does God say? What he says reveals his heart. He says, finally, I have taken away your shame. He says, finally, I have restored your dignity. Finally, I have rid you of your disgrace. That's what he says, isn't it? Verse, verse, verse 9, he says, finally, today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I do know this. The, the reason God was so insistent that they, their, their men be circumcised, circumcision was... It was like God's mark on the, on the men and then vicariously on the women and their families. It was God just saying, you know what? I have marked you. You are mine. You are my child. Don't let anyone tell you you're not. When you walk into this new land, I want, I want you to walk with your head held high. I want you to know that your shame is gone. I want this mark on you and your families so you will know you belong to me. So his intentions, why did God give them this rule? Not just, listen. Not because he hated them. Why does God want us to obey? Because he loves us. Listen, when a a mother says to her son, do your homework, no video games till your homework is done, does she say that because she hates him? No. She loves her son. She wants him to flourish She wants him to develop uh, good work habits and and reach his potential and do well in school. it, It might not feel loving, right? But it's love. Or when a father says to his daughter, you share your toys with your sister. Is that because he hates her? No, he loves his daughter. He wants her to to learn to to relate well to others so she's not condemned to a life of loneliness and isolation. So, listen, with earthly parents, if we know that with, as, you know, I'm a parent, as messed up as we are, if, if our commands, because we love our kids, how much more your father in heaven when, when, he, when he said to them, all the men be circumcised, you know, they might have felt like, oh, he hates us. But God was like, no, I don't hate you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I want to I roll away your reproach. Can't you see? And it, so listen, I would suggest to you, if, if, um, if there's some area of your life where God has been talking to you and saying, you know what? We've got to deal with this. Before you take one more step into the promised land, Stop. We need to deal with this. Can, can, I, can I just, can I encourage you with the thought that God really loves you and the reason he wants you to deal with this is because he wants to restore dignity and take away shame and enrich your life. That's why obedience is so important. 
Psalm 19 says, the law, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. You want joy? It's from obeying and walking with the Lord. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. God's commands are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them we are warned, in keeping them there's great reward. So what God, what's most important to God is, is obedience. And isn't it something that he loves us? Because we've all been disobedient. And yet when we were still sinners, he gave Jesus for us. And he says, but I want you to trust me. Will you please trust me? I love you enough to die for you. Will you trust me? And obey me in this. And let me roll away your reproach. Let me take away your shame. Let me, let me restore dignity to you. Well, let's, let's pray and ask God to help us in responding to this. Father, we, we thank you that, um, that you love us even though we are not always obedient children, but you love us enough to not to leave us and abandon us to our disobedience. You love us to confront, enough to confront us and to call us to follow you. So will you please today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever anyone in this room right now is enslaved or entrapped in things that we want to be, we need to be free from. God, I pray in Jesus' name, you will today be setting us free and giving us courage and giving us conviction to, to leave behind things that bring shame and to follow you in newness of life. We thank you that you're here for that. In Christ's name, amen.